the lovely name above all names. Yes. Name of He who is sufficient. Amen. And in Him are by Him all things consist. Yes. That's right. In the book of Colossians, He is the sufficient one. Thank the Lord for this good group of visitors. Yes, amen. Yes, amen. Grateful to have you here with us. Thank you for coming and supporting this ministry, this church, and this meeting. Yes. And thank you, ladies, once again for the good meal. Amen. It was delicious. You've done a great job this week. Yes. That's right. Uh, you know, Baptists just have to eat. Come on, come on. <laughs> yes, amen. I want to thank Brother Wesley for the good message. Yes, yes. Exposition of the Scripture. Right. Yes, yeah. it was. Did not help while he was preaching. I was thinking about Job. Yeah. And he was talking about how we should not trust in ourselves. Right. At his lowest point, his wife told him to curse God and die. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. He said, "You speak as one of the foolish men." Right. Ladies don't take that long. There's some foolish men too. <laughs> you speak as one of the foolish women. So shall we not receive evil at the hand of the Lord? As well as good. Yeah. The Lord give it. The Lord take it away. Blessed be. Amen. Yes, amen. You know, when you know you're going up there, it really doesn't matter a whole lot what happens to you. Right. right. Then later on, when his friends piled up, Jake Job said, I know my Redeemer lived. Yes. And on the earth again shall stand, and when I'm tried, I shall be cured. Yes. I shall come forth this day. So. Thank you, Brother Wesley, for sparing our hearts through the Psalms 122, you see. Psalms. Psalms of David. David did not write all of the Psalms. But he did write this Psalm. We'll go ahead and stand and read it, and then I'll give you just a little bit of background. <clears throat> While you're standing, I want you to notice that if your Bible's anything like mine, and most study Bibles are, you see in this is common in this section of Psalms. It says there's a heading between the chapter heading, chapter number, and the psalm itself that says, Song of Degrees. A song of degrees. Anytime you see that in the book of Psalms, it is talking about songs that God's people, that Israel would sing as they were coming to Jerusalem to worship. There were four feasts every year. 
them is they would come to Jerusalem and anywhere anywhere you came from to Jerusalem, you always went up. There was no dissension. There was only ascension. And as they would ascend unto God's holy hill, they would sing these songs of the Greeks. Also, some of these songs of degrees were used or sung by God's people when they came out of captivity. And as they came back to the land of promise, they would sing these songs of degrees. Degrees meaning ascension. As they would ascend, they would sing. I don't know when the music was put to this song. But perhaps when God's people came towards Jerusalem after the temple was built, they would sing something like this. I was glad when they said unto me. I was glad when they said unto me. I was glad when they said unto me, Let us go into the house of the Lord. Amen. Let's just imagine we're ascending to Jerusalem tonight. The temple's up on Temple Mount. The Shekinah glory of God is dwelling in the holy place, sitting on the mercy seat underneath the wings of the chariot. Let's sing that song together. I was glad when they said unto me. I was glad when they said unto me. I was glad when they said unto me. Let us go into the house of the we can feel some of the atmosphere of that song as Joni and I were coming out of Jericho just a couple of weeks ago on a bus coming up the Judean mountains you see all the Bedouin camps and Bedouin tents on both sides of the road as we came out of that tunnel and you saw Temple Mount this song came to my mind let us read I was glad when they said unto me, Let us go into the house of the Lord. Our feet shall stand within thy gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem is builded as a city that is compact together. Boy, if you ever go there, that phrase will take on new meaning. Because everything that happened, dearly beloved, to Jesus that last week in Jerusalem, as a matter of fact, that night and that day is within a 600-yard radius. Whether the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, under the testimony of Israel, to give thanks under the name of the Lord. For there are set thrones of judgment the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. They shall prosper that love thee. 
Peace be within thy walls and prosperity within thy palaces. For my brethren, my companions say, I will now say peace be within thee because of the house of the Lord our God I will seek thee. Father, we thank you for the reading of your word tonight and the significance of this psalm even in these days in which we live. Oh Lord, there's no temple anymore in Jerusalem. Our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Our local churches are those places where we go as family and as friends. To your house, to that place where you dwell in the midst of your people. To worship you and to give you praise. God give us grace and strength, clarity of mind and wisdom as we graze in these green pastures tonight. Feed our souls with the nutrients of heaven. Energize us and encourage us tonight with heaven's breath. We'll be careful to thank you and give you all the praise. Well, we ask these things in the name that is above all names. In Jesus' name we yes, pray. Amen. 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 And amen. You may be seated. I made mention, and it's probably written in your study Bible as well, not only a song of degrees, but a song of David. In studying the background of this psalm, it has given me it has given me a great blessing, dearly beloved, to understand this setting, why David wrote this song and what he wrote it for. If you remember with me, dearly beloved, when the ark was in Shiloh, and boy, on this recent trip I took to the Holy Land. I'd never been there before, but they took us to Shiloh. It's between Galilee and Judea. It's just east of Samaria. And when Joshua brought the ark and the tabernacle into the Holy Land, he took it to Shiloh. There it stayed for 400 years. Stayed there for 400 years and the people of God would come there for sacrifice. They would come there for worship. Why? Because that was the house of the Lord. You know what makes it God's house? Not the brick and the mortar and the sign out front on the street. But you know what makes it God's house? It's His house because God is there. That's where God abides. And that's where God lives. Now God doesn't abide in buildings of brick and mortar and wood. God dwells in this tabernacle. Our bodies are the tabernacle, the temple of the Holy Ghost. Nonetheless, dearly beloved, when God's people go up to the house of God, you know what Jesus said? Where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of this. I look out here tonight and I see a lot of people I know. 
I'm glad you're here, but you know what really thrills me tonight? That is that He is here. And our midst. Amen. We know after the tabern after the tabernacle in Shiloh was burned, the Philistines came and burned it down. They stole the Ark of the Covenant. Really, they bit off more than they chewed. They could chew what they did. And it wasn't long before they realized that. We know eventually, dearly beloved, they took the Ark back to a little town called Lod. There in Lod, David. David met them. King David met them there in Lod. And what did David do? David took the ark back to Jerusalem. David constructed a tabernacle there in Jerusalem. And that's where, dearly beloved, the ark stayed until Solomon, his son, built the temple. David wanted to build the temple, but God wouldn't let him because he had blood on his hands. But you know what God told David? He said, David, Solomon's going to build the temple, but it's in your heart to build it. God gave David credit for it because he knew it was in David's heart. And on that trip, dearly beloved, back to Jerusalem, David got excited. David got glad. And David danced before the ark as they came back into Jerusalem. Dearly beloved, that is the setting of this song. David wrote this song in honor, dearly beloved, of the ark being brought back to Jerusalem. And as David ascended from Lod, and you know where Lod is? It's in the valley of Achel. The same valley where David fought Goliath and slew him. And as David brought that ark up from the valley of Achor to Jerusalem, he danced before the ark, and somehow I can just hear David singing, I was glad when they said unto me, I was glad when they said unto me, I was glad when they said unto me, Going to the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Yeah. I want to dig into this song just for a few moments. And I want to see, dearly beloved, what made David so glad to bring that ark back to Jerusalem. What made David so glad to come back? to the house of the Lord. And you know what made it the house of the Lord? Not the name Jerusalem. But what made it the house of the Lord is that the ark had come there. And with the ark came the very Shekinah glory of God and the presence of God. And David was ecstatic over that. I'm going to tell you something tonight, dearly beloved. Go ahead. That's not only why we ought to come to the house of the Lord, but that's what ought to make us glad about Amen. coming to the house Amen. of the Lord. Not just the people that we're going to see, but the fact that we're going to come where God meets with His people. And we're going to be encountered by His presence. And we're going to have the 
opportunity to sing and give praise to the Lord. This is a house of worship. Yes, man. What was it that caused David to be so glad, to be so ecstatic by coming to the house of the Lord? I want you to listen to these things. And I want to draw a parallel, dearly beloved, to these things with our own lives. Today. I want to say first of all, dearly beloved, David was glad about going to the house of the Lord. Because the house of the Lord was where the people of God would come together. Look at verse number 4. Whether the tribes go up. The tribes of the Lord under the testimony of the children, under the testimony of Israel. Look at verse number 8. For my brethren and my companions' sake, David was ecstatic about going to the house of the Lord because this is the place where the people of God would come together. Yes, yes. No less than four times a year they would come together. The tribes of the nation of Israel would come together to Jerusalem to take part in the feast of the Lord that God had ordained. Right. No less than four times a year every man would come, dearly beloved, with his house and worship the Lord. Yes. They would come together in this place called Jerusalem where the house of the Lord was. I want to say tonight, dearly beloved, that's one thing that ought to make us glad about going to the house of God is that we get to be together with our spiritual family. We get to come to the house of God and worship God and fellowship with our brothers and our sisters in Christ. This is the place whether it's Parkwood Baptist Church, Glory Baptist Church, Calvary Baptist Church, or any other Baptist church that may be represented here tonight, this is the place where God comes in the midst of His people. This is the place where God's people gather around Him to worship Him. I don't know about you, my friend, but I need to come to the house of God. I need to see my brothers and sisters in Christ. I need to be encouraged by their testimony. Encouraged by their presence. I need to be encouraged, dearly beloved, by the things that they're going through as West preached tonight. And yet they're still remaining faithful. I need to be encouraged. We often quote the book of Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25 where it says to forsake not the assembly. Ourselves together, but exhorting one another. You know what that word exhorting means? It means to encourage. What you saints of God to know this: when you come to the house of God, 
It's Amen. not just to show up. It's not just because your pastor wants you to be there. Brother, it's because God's here. It's because when you do show up, you encourage your pastor. You encourage your brothers and sisters in Christ. You encourage the body of Christ by what you're going through and what they're going through. To stay in there and continue to be faithful and to say with Job of old, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Yeah. But blessed be the name yeah. the man of the Lord. Whether the tribes go under the testimony of Israel. The tribes of the Lord. But it not only made David glad to go to the house of God because it was a place where the people of God would come together. But it made David glad to go to the house of God because it was a place where the presence of God was manifested. We see twice in this chapter the phrase, the house of the Lord is mentioned. Verse number 1, the first verse, let us go into the house of the Lord. Verse number 9, because of the house of the Lord of the Lord our God. I want you to see tonight, dearly beloved, that God has always desired to dwell in the midst of His people. And to that end, dearly beloved, God has always had a house. In the book of Exodus, in the Old Testament, in the wilderness, as they came out of Egypt and went towards the land of promise, God constructed a pattern house. A pattern house. Everything about the tabernacle pointed to Jesus Christ. The brazen altar was the cross that He died upon. The labor was a picture of His Word. A mirror in which we can see ourselves. The table of showbread was a picture that Jesus Christ was the bread of life. The candelabra or the menorah was a picture of the fact that Jesus Christ is the light of the world. The altar of incense was a picture of the fact that Jesus Christ is that one mediator, our intercessor between us and God. And behind into the Holy of Holies was the Ark of the Covenant, where the cherubims were, where the mercy seat was, where God Himself sat. They would pick that tabernacle up when God would move, and they would set it down when God would stop. He would lead them, dearly beloved, in a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. But no matter where they were, God was in the midst of His people in His house. I've already described how they came from Shiloh to Jerusalem. And ultimately, Solomon built the temple in Jerusalem. God no longer had a pattern house. God now has a primary house. He has a primary house. This one wasn't mobile. It wasn't picked up and carried through the wilderness. Set right there on Mount Moriah in the city of Jerusalem. The same mountain where Abraham was to sacrifice Isaac. The same mountain where David bought the threshing floor from Ornan. And ultimately the same mountain where our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ died. That temple set there. It became God's primary house. But on the day of Pentecost, when those disciples, those apostles, 
Those people in the upper room came to the southern steps of the temple and they began to preach the resurrection of Christ. John Phillips said that God made a statement to Israel that day. I'm moving out of my primary house and I'm moving into my permanent house. Who is the permanent house? The church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our bodies are the temple of the Holy Ghost. And you know why it's permanent? Because He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Oh, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. I'm glad I can't lose my salvation. I couldn't lose it if I wanted to. Because He's made me a promise that He'll always be with me. God said, I'm moving out of that house. Moving into this. That's where he's been ever since. That's where he is tonight. I gotta tell you, he's gonna make one more move, folk. We're going with him. It's to his perfect house. God is gonna dwell in the midst of his people. That's what excited David about going to the house of the Lord. Because this was a place where the presence of God was manifested. That's why we ought to want to come. We ought to want to see God move. We ought to want to hear God speak. We ought to pray for God to touch hearts and move in people's lives and save souls and transforms people's walls by the mighty power of God. I want to say tonight that David was glad about going to the house of God not only because this is a place where the people of God came together and this is a place where the presence of God was manifested but David was glad about going to the house of God because this was a place where praise to God was given the praise to God was given I love what he says here in verse number 4 whether the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, under the testimony of Israel. And look what he says. To give thanks unto the name of the Lord. Now I'm not for a bunch of wildfire, but neither am I for a funeral dirge. I want you to know something. This is not, this is not a funeral home. Praise is appropriate in the house of God. Some people praise God in a different way. Some people like to get up and run around. And if God's in it, help yourself. Some people like to raise their hands. Some people like to shout. Some people like to say amen. But don't think just because a person's sitting there quiet that they're not worshiping and they're not praising. Some people are just that way. Yeah. They hold it in, dear right. beloved. Right. Sometimes it looks like they're trying to screw a hole in that seat, but they hold it in nonetheless. Right. I just want you to know, dearly beloved, that praise is appropriate yeah. in the house of God. Amen. You're shout, you're not going to offend me. Right. If you want to raise your hand, you yeah. won't offend me. Right. If you want to give Him praise tonight, yes. go right ahead. I praise Him with you tonight. Yeah. Because indeed He is worthy. Yes. Chapter 4, the book of Revelation, chapter 5. When we all get to that perfect house, we're all going to gather around Him. You know what we're going to do? 
Yeah. We're going to worship. Yes, amen. The Bible says we're going to sing a new song unto the Lord. Yes. Worthy art thou, O Lamb, for thou hast redeemed us out of every nation, out of every kindred, and out of every tongue. Friend, if praise makes you uncomfortable, you're not going to want to go to heaven. Right. Much as I love sports, we're not going to be playing any sports in heaven. I've heard some people speculate that. You say, what are we going to do, preacher? We're going to spend all eternity just praising yes. Him and thanking Him for saving a wretch like me. Praising Him and thanking Him for bringing us out of darkness Amen. into the light. Yes. Praising Him and thanking yes. Him that our names are written. That's good. We're written. Amen. In the book of life. I think a lot of things we ought to praise Him for. And David said in the book of Psalms, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. You and I, dearly beloved, ought to come to the house of God give thanks for our salvation. Thanks for our salvation. If God never did anything else for me, that was more than I ever deserved. And if God never did anything else for me, I could never want anything else. Because salvation is all that I could ever want and more. We ought not just to praise Him for our salvation. We ought to praise Him for the blessings of life. I like that song that the Rochester sings. Thank you, Lord, for your blessings. My feet. Food on my table. I might have got the words backwards, but you understand what I mean tonight. Dearly beloved, every one of us are beneficiaries of the blessings of God. And we live in a free country. We drove a car here tonight. We have a closet full of clothes and a pantry full of food. God's given us children that we love and love us. That grow up and hopefully they'll love God and give us grandchildren. I tell you what, friend, God's given me blessings beyond description tonight. That's what I ought to come to the house of God and praise Him. Thank you, Lord, for your yes, salvation. Praising Him for our salvation, for the blessings of life. Yes. Praising Him for His working in our lives. It is God, Paul said, which worketh in you. Mm both to will and to do of His good pleasure. That's right. i got to tell you, I want to thank the Lord tonight for the work of salvation in my life. I thank the Lord how He opened my eyes one day and let me see my sinful self. How He brought conviction to my heart and contrition and ultimately conversion. And now I gladly confess His name. I want to thank the Lord for that tonight. You know, as a matter of fact, everything good that's ever happened to me has happened in the house of God. I was grew up in the house of God. I got saved in the house of God. I got married in the house of God. I raised my children in the house of God. God's let me serve in the house of God. It is a place where the people of God come together. It is a place where the presence of God is manifested. Uh-huh. It is a place where the proclamation, excuse me, the praise of God is given. But number four, 
it is a place where the proclamation of God yeah. right. is heard. Yes. He uses the word throne and thrones. Hmm. Look what he says, if you will. In verse, let me move these weights. Look what he says here in verse number 5. For there are set thrones of judgment. The thrones of the house of David. Jerusalem was the legal center of the people of God. It was not just the worship center. But Jerusalem was the legal center of the house of God. And people who broke the law were brought there. And when they were brought there, dearly beloved, judgments were passed out. That's why the word throne and thrones is used. It's talking about authoritative proclamation. And do you know what they were judged by? They were judged by the law of the Lord. I love Psalms chapter 19. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The commandments of the Lord are right in rejoicing the heart. And the judgments of the Lord are pure and righteous altogether. People who broke the law were brought to Jerusalem. That's where the thrones were. That's where the king lived. And they're breaking of the law, the laws they broke, uh, were judged by the law of God given to Moses Uh in the wilderness. Uh Do you know that to this day, all law stems from the law of God? You stop and think about it. Where did any government come up with the idea that murder is wrong? Where did any government come up with the idea that stealing is wrong? Our adultery is wrong. I'll tell you where they learned it. They learned it from the law of God in the book of Exodus, chapter number 20. That's where they learned it. And to this day, dearly beloved, in our Supreme Court, there are Moses' tablets of the law hanging above the Supreme Court. Why? Because all law comes from the Word of God. I love that about the house of God. It is here where we come and hear the authoritative truth of the Word of God. It is here where our sins are judged and where our hearts are examined. It is here, dearly beloved, where we hear the authoritative truth of God that brings us into a right relationship and a right walk with Him. I don't want to come to church and have somebody tell me how good I am. I want to come to church and say what David said, Lord, search me, try me, know me. And see if there be any wicked way in me. I want to come to the house of God and hear the authoritative word of God preach and have the Spirit of God search my heart and point out sin in those places where I have erred, where I have wandered from Him, where I'm not right with Him, and bring me back into communion. Yes, David loved that. I want to give you another thing here. Not only did David glad to go because this is a place where the people of God would come together. This is a place, dear to beloved, where the presence of God was manifested. This was a place where the praise of God was given. 
This was a place where the proclamation of God was heard, but this was a place where prayer unto God is practiced. Notice what he says in verse 6, Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. On the first Friday night of our recent trip to the Holy Land, we went in through the dung gate in the Holy City. We walked into a plaza that's called the Western Wall Plaza. We walked that tunnel that goes underneath the Western Wall and then we came back out and they told us, they said, you can go to the wall and pray if you would like. You know, those Jews pray for three things these days. They pray for the Messiah to come. He's already come. Yes, But He's coming again. Yes. They pray for the temple to be rebuilt. And did you know right now they're ready to rebuild or to build the third temple? We sat in the Temple Institute again. This is the third time I've sat there and they told us that we're ready to build the temple. All we're waiting on is the permission from the State Department. I've seen the temporary brazen altar they're going to use. I've seen the ephod on the priestly garment, the spades. and I've seen the shofars. And I've seen the instruments they use in the, in the temple to take the, to take the incense into the Holy of Holies. I've seen the labor. I've seen the table of showbread. It is all there. And my friend, if they either believe the ark is in heaven or they know where it is. One of those two. But they say we're ready to build the ark right now. We're ready to build the ark. I got all excited over that. We went back in there that night. I came out. And when I walked up to that wall, I prayed for a few things. I prayed for my son. That God would get a hold of his heart. I prayed for Brother Wesley and our church. I prayed for my family. And I said, Lord, I pray for the peace of Jerusalem. I pray that You'll open these people's eyes to the fact that there won't be any peace here until the Messiah comes. Until King Jesus comes. Open their eyes to the fact that He already has come. He's died for them. Shed His blood. And been resurrected. As I put my hands on that wall and leaned into that wall, I thought of the days when right above me, God's people would go into the house of God and they went there to pray and they went there to worship the Lord. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know the story of how Jesus came from the pool of Siloam up the valley of the cheesemakers and into the temple proper. There was a section there where there were merchants selling lambs for sacrifice, selling turtle doves for worship, selling all different kinds of birds and fowls. Jesus came and saw that they were charging exorbitant prices, taking advantage of the people, merchandising the worship of God. He became righteously indignant and took a whip began to throw those tables over. And He drove those people out of the house of God. And He said, My Father's house shall be called a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of thieves. Does that sound like some things that are going on today? I'm here to tell you, it's still a house of prayer. We ask our people to come and play. We don't have buses big enough to hold them or fellowship halls. 
But Wednesday night was always prayer meeting night in our churches. And yet it's the least attended service. Yeah. Right. I just have to That's wonder, right. dearly beloved, if we're not bereft of power because of a lack of a spirit of prayer right. and a hunger and thirst right. to go into the throne room right. and fellowship yeah. with Him yeah. and cry to the God of glory for His power and presence in our midst. Pray for the peace. There's another one. This was a place where the prosperity of God was achieved. I love what he says here. Read it with me if you will, please. He says... Verse 6, they shall prosper that love thee. Verse 7, prosperity with be with and prosperity within thy palaces. But think of that phrase for a moment. They shall prosper that love thee. There is this, there is this, there is this name it and claim it group today. They would have people to believe that if you're right with God, you're going to be rich. There were some of God's people that were rich, but far more of them were poor. Many of them were poor. As a matter of fact, God does not want us to emphasize or focus on our our materialism or the possessions that we have here. I may not have a bunch of money and I may not have a bunch of things, but I tell you what I do have. I have peace with God yes, and my Lord Jesus Christ. And I have blessed yes, assurance that Jesus is mine. I have a joy that is unspeakable and full of glory. I'm rich as a king tonight. I'm a child of the king. My riches cannot be measured on a stock market in dollars and cents in a bank account. My riches only can be measured in eternity. Jesus Himself said, Lay not up treasures on this earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and thieves break through and enter. But rather lay up treasures in heaven where moth and rust doth not corrupt and thieves do not break through and enter. Dearly beloved, we're not to be focused on this temporal world. We're to be focused on that eternal world. Every one of us tonight are more prosperous. We're richer in the grace of God because of the house of God. Because we have a place where we can come and fellowship with God's people and strengthen one another and encourage one another and hear the Word of God and sing the songs of Zion. To God be the glory. Amen. Amen, brother. Yes, sir. Lastly, David was glad, ecstatic, to bring that ark to Jerusalem. To put it there. Once and for all. He was glad once and for all that the ark would never leave Jerusalem again. He was glad because he knew, dearly beloved, that that's where God's people would come together. He knew, dearly beloved, that that's where the presence of God was manifested. He knew it would be a house of praise where people would come and give. You know, God inhabits the praises of His people. He knew it was a place where the proclamation of God would be heard. God's holy law and God's truth would govern the lives of His people. 
He knew it was a place where prosperity would be achieved, where people would learn what true riches are. But he knew it was a place where the peace of God could be experienced. I love what he says here. He not only says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem, but in verse 7 he says, peace be within thy walls. Do you know why there's peace in these walls? Because the Prince of Peace. Amen. Amen. That's right. God Himself was there. There is no peace without God. That's right. You and I live in a day when they're crying, peace and safety. Peace and safety. I got news for you, friend, and I've been telling you this week, things aren't going to get any better here. They're only going to get worse. But the only time peace is going to be on this earth is when King Jesus puts His foot on the Mount of Olives and He rules from Temple Mount and He rules in this world. He is the Prince of Peace. David said, I love that about the house of God because that's where the peace of God is experienced. And how? Because God is there. There ought to be peace here in your heart. If you've been saved, you've made peace with God. And if your heart is clean and pure and you're walking with Him, you ought to have the peace of God. Yes, amen. Amen. The passions, Paul said, all understand. Right. And yet, my friend, because of apostasy, in the day and time in which we live, people are not coming to the house of God. They're leaving the house. That's true. Right. Right. The thing I feared the most about COVID was that people would get used to sitting on a couch in their pajamas, right. sipping coffee, watching right. church. They'd quit coming to the house of God. Right. And as I've traveled from church to church, talked to pastor after pastor, and preached meeting after meeting, my 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 fears were realized. Everywhere I go, churches with empty pews. Everywhere I go, preachers saying, Preacher, we used to have more people from this, but some of them just never came back from COVID. There's a lot of things that I could say, but I'm here to tell you, my friend, there's more about coming to the house of God than just watching or listening to a sermon on the screen. There's the atmosphere. There's getting in the midst of God's people and God's presence. There's being in a place, dearly beloved, where you can see and touch and feel and shake hands and know and understand, dearly beloved, the things that God's people are doing. Friend, what I'm seeing today is the houses of God are being preserved. These things ought not so to be. You ought not to come to church because you have to. Mm-hmm. You ought to come to church because you can't wait to. If I've got to twist your arm, stay at home. Maybe in doing so, you'll be able to see that your heart isn't what it is. Remember when I was dating Jody? Well, we went to Howells Anderson. We didn't play. <laughs> we weren't allowed to. Come Dating on. consisted of sitting in a parlor with a bunch of other couples. 
and just kind of look at it. Yeah, come on. You're almost afraid to say anything because there's the Christian CIA listening in. Just wait for you to say something wrong. Tony and I met on the 5th of April, 1970. We sat in the post office, believe it or not, the school post office, and we talked from 7 o'clock to 11 o'clock. Boy, I went back to my dorm room that night knowing that I had met the one that God had. I didn't go to school looking for a wife, I went looking for God. God said her to me. Amen. Amen. About 11 o'clock, it was curfew time. I said, well, it's curfew time, Joni, you're going to have to go in. I said, you probably have to read your Bible tonight, don't you, because we all had to have devotion. She said, no, I don't have to. She said, I get to. Amen. Amen. I thought, okay, we've got a hold of a super spirit. <laughs> <laughs> point was well taken. Yeah, amen. Right? It ought not to be about what we have. No, right, right. It ought to be about what we have. Amen. Yes, it's good. David went and got that ark and load. Brought it back to yeah. Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. You see, he's talking not about the temple here, the temple has to be built. He's talking about the city of Jerusalem. And on the way back, You know, when people get glad about it, our churches just start filling up. Amen. 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 I'm going to tell you something. There's no lot by the lake. There's no ball field that can replace. That's right. That's right. I trust you. It's good. Let's stand with our heads bowed and eyes closed. understand the background of this song. When you understand, dearly beloved, how David loved the house of God, yet God wouldn't even let him build it. You understand what David went through, the things that befell him. And then you read this psalm, there's one thing for sure you know David had his priority, right? He loved the house. You love the house of God tonight. Are you faithful to the house of God? If you're not, your heart is not. There's something else that is preeminent in your life above the house of God. And it's not just the brick and the mortar and the wood and the beautiful building. No, no. It's the place where God comes and dwells in the midst. There may be people that you don't prefer, but you ought to prefer Him. Yeah. And that ought to bring you. Father, bless your word. Thank you for, thank you for Wesley's message. Lord, that was your message. You just gave it to me. 
I pray that you'd use my meager words tonight to stir in our hearts a, a rededication in the hearts and lives of God's people with a love for the house of God and an appreciation for what it meant. Oh God, cleanse our hearts and purify us tonight. You said in this day that the love of many would wax cold and that has happened. Oh God, warm our hearts by the fire of your presence tonight. God, bring us back to that place where more than anything we just want you. We want closeness to you. And remind us, dear God, that we cannot leave the house of God out and have that experience in our lives on the day. Love you. Thank you for nothing else. Bless your word in Jesus' name. Sister, you play and you sing. Whatever God leads you to do, you do that. These altars are open, some are here. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. All you have to do is think about all the circumstances that surrounded David's life. You see distractions, times of coldness, and even backslidden heart that David had. Yet, after he died, Solomon built it. He said, Solomon, I'm going to let you build it, but I'm going to let you do it. But it was in your father's heart to build it. God loved David, and David loved God. I'll just be honest with you today. How can you love the head and not love the body? How can you say you love God, not love the church? Don't you know I love the church? I, I want to tell you, I love the local church. Too. I love the officers of the local church. I love the pastors. I love the deacons. I love the people. I love the services of a local church. I love the songs of science. I, I love the preaching of the Word of God. Amen. I like when church is over to stand around and hug some necks and shake some hands and draw some strength and hopefully give some encouragement to the people of God. We need that in this. This song is rich. God help us tonight to embrace it. God help allow it to embrace it. While she plays, Brother Larry, you come. Turn this old service over to our pastor. I love you, Larry. Appreciate you. I thank you for your love for the house of God. Amen. Gary, I love you. Appreciate you. Your love for the house of God. Wesley, I love you. Appreciate you. Thank you for your love for the house of God. Brother Jake, I love you. Appreciate your love for the house of God. You've blessed me. Every one of you have blessed me this week. You've encouraged me. You precious people, no matter what church you're from, appreciate your love for the house of God to bring you out here on a cold, dark night. You see it? And listen to somebody scream and sweat and speak. God bless you. I love you. I'm sure glad I got to come and meet you. You know what? Amen. Amen. All God's people say, Amen. Amen.